Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. After we drove off the highway, snow started to fall again. Thick, white flakes raced through the glow of our headlights and settled on the icy road. I mopped the fog off my window with a glove and scanned the roadside for the Christmas tree farm. But I saw only a faint shine of snow rippling over the dark farmland. My mother leaned over the steering wheel and squinted through the flop of the wipers. See anything? At a bend in the road, Our headlights splashed a split-rail fence, and I spotted the sign. There, Mom! On the right. My mother crunched the car to a stop on a slab of frozen snow. The sign for the Sea of Green Christmas Trees hung on a wooden pylon. It was too dark to read, but I recognized the outline of a jagged evergreen painted on a yellow board. Looks closed, I said. It was early evening but only a single pale light shined at the end of the tree-lined driveway. Campy, my mother said. It's Christmas Eve. My father had never waited this long to buy our tree. It was usually daylight and weeks before Christmas when he drove along these corn and pumpkin farms in western New Jersey, and I counted the cars of families zipping home with Douglas firs and Norway spruces trussed to their roofs. My mother wanted to get our tree from a garden center in town, but I swore if the tree came from anywhere else, Christmas wouldn't be the same. Giving up even the smallest family custom meant surrendering hope that he'd return home someday, and we'd again be a family of three. My mother eased the car down the gravel driveway toward the light, which hung from the side of the red wooden barn. The door was shut. The parking lot usually packed with cars and rows of cut trees, was empty. Let's go home, I said. It's closed. We've come this far, she said, and parked. I didn't feel safe at night in the middle of nowhere, even with my mother, but I followed her outside. The snow had stopped, and there was nothing to see in the black sky. We walked toward the barn, her boots clacking through the parking lot. We heard voices and laughter inside, and my mother knocked on the door. A dog barked from the side of the barn, but no one answered. One more try. Her knuckles rapped harder, rattling the hinges. The dog barked twice more, and a jangle of chain crept toward us. Parked under a floodlight, 
On the other side of the barn were three vans, one with a pink peace sign painted on its side and the words, make love, not war. Let's go, Mom. Please? I moved toward the car. It's okay, she said. The latch on the barn door clicked open, and a bearded man walked outside to face us. I saw three or four men inside around a table, strewn with beer bottles and pizza boxes, and puffing smoke that smelled sweet and musky in the wintry air. We're closed, the bearded man said. All sold out. Oh, no, my mother said. Should have got here sooner. He looked younger than my father, in his thirties, I thought, with a boyish face and a big belly, but no sign of the Christmas spirit. There's nothing you could sell us? My mother said. We buy our tree here every year. I would remember someone as pretty as you, he said, winking at my mother. He lifted a beer bottle and took a sip. My husband usually brings Gordo. I cringed. I hated when she gave my name up to uninterested strangers. Is your husband here? The man asked, rocking back on his heels. He's traveling, she answered with our familiar family line. Not right to be away from such a lovely wife on Christmas Eve. The man took two unsteady steps toward my mother. I couldn't tell if she was scared or amused by him, but I didn't like the tone in his voice, so I took a step or two closer to him and said, louder and more direct than I wanted, where's your wife? He glared at me for a second and chuckled, blasting a white cloud of hot air into the night. She's waiting for me at home, little Gordy. Gordo, don't be rude. My mother turned back at me and frowned. She seemed mad and worried. By then I was sure she wanted to leave as much as I did. I mumbled an apology, grabbed her hand, and pulled her toward the car. Looks like you don't have any pants on under that jacket. Wouldn't that be something? My mother had on a long skirt, but it was hidden under her wool coat, leaving her thigh and knee bare above her long black boots. The man took another step closer and stroked my mother's coat. She slapped his hand away and said sternly, Watch yourself, mister. Hey, I shouted. Cut it out. Settle down, little Gordy, he chuckled. Settle down. I was frightened. He wouldn't treat her this way if my father had been around, and I felt if he touched her again or crossed another line, I'd have to be brave and try to protect her. The barn door opened. More laughter and smoke poured out, and another man stepped outside, a younger version of the first. I prayed for another car to drive into the parking lot. What about that one? My mother pointed to a large tree leaning against the barn. That's mine, the older man said. The dog had wriggled off its chain and was now pacing, untethered in the shadows. Let him have it, Dave, the younger man said. You already have a tree. It would mean a lot to Gordo, my mother said. I'll pay your top price. Dave snickered and shook his head. Lady... Not everything's for sale in the world. No offense, my mother said. We just want a nice tree. Snow flurries had gathered on the hunched shoulders of my mother's coat. We'd been standing outside so long my fingertips and toes were numb. What's your name? Dave asked my mother. His smirk crept into a smile. My mother brushed the snow off her hair and pulled the keys from her pocket. 
I prayed she wouldn't answer him. Tell you what, he said. Have a drink with us, and you can have the tree for free. He yanked the barn door open and held it for us. Free trees, free love. That's what we're about. My mother looked at the other man. Truck brakes hissed and groaned on the highway. The dog inched closer. I wanted desperately to go home. Just give it to her, Dave, the younger man said. Don't be a jerk. Dave chugged the rest of his beer and tossed the bottle near the tree. If you want to put it in their car, go ahead, he said to the other man. Then he walked inside the barn, mumbling something to his friends, and they cackled. The other man helped us push the Christmas tree into the car and left us alone. Before driving off, my mother stopped and lit a cigarette, and I saw her hands were trembling. I'm sorry, I said. It's not your fault. I tugged on her arm. I wanted to know how we'd ever cope without my father, but she showed me a big smile, saying, Aren't you happy we got our tree? I said I was and thanked her, even if it wasn't a Douglas fir. You knew. Of course, she said. But it's a beautiful tree, don't you think? Yes, it is. The first Christmas I remember was when I was six, and my father had come home with a tree too big to fit through the front door. Peering through the banister rails, I watched as he jammed the tree into the house, thrashing branches against the walls and ceiling. But what I remember most was seeing pine needles scattered on the floor and thinking my father had broken the tree. Once my parents had clamped the tree in its stand, I filled my tiny fists with the forsaken needles and begged my father to glue them back on the tree. As we neared the highway, my mother asked if I wanted to get something to eat. Ice cream? Whatever you'd like, she said. But I need something warm. We found a diner near the highway. Everyone must have been out buying presents because the diner was nearly empty. Two booths in the back were crammed with high school kids drinking milkshakes and sharing fries. A few truckers sat at the counter, hunched over omelets and hash browns, talking about high school basketball. The waitress, her hair and lips bright red, escorted us to a booth by the window, and we slid across the red vinyl seats and flicked through the menu. My mother ordered a cup of coffee and a hot pumpkin pie for herself, and a hot chocolate and ice cream sundae for me. I ticked through the jukebox selections while she lit a cigarette, leaned back, and blew smoke rings over the table for me to poke a finger through. I miss him too, you know, she said, staring outside at the traffic. After all this time, I wasn't sure how she truly felt about him. I knew she was angry and might never forgive him for leaving, but I wondered if she missed him as much as I did, in the way that my world could never be the same without him. I thought if we bought the tree, he'd come home for Christmas. I know. Is that stupid? No, it's not, she said. I thought the same thing. Do you think he might? I don't think we should get our hopes up about Dad. I liked hearing her call him Dad. Since he left, she usually referred to him as my father, her husband, or Richard. I still hoped if he hadn't gone too far away, he might show up at Christmas. <laughs>
but I didn't want to upset my mother by asking again where she thought he might be. The waitress arrived with the food, and we leaned over the table and grinned at our orders. My mother put milk in her coffee and lifted her spoon toward the whipped cream on top of my sundae. Okay, she asked. I nodded and watched her blue eyes gleam as she scooped a lump of cream and plopped it into her cup. When we finished eating, my mother fished out a dime from her purse for the jute box. Play anything you want. You pick, I said. How about a Christmas song, she said. I squeezed the dime in my hand and flipped through the selections, reading out familiar titles. Silent Night? Something happier. Baby, please come home. My mother looked down and ran her fingers around the ashtray. You don't like that one. It's your father's favorite. But you can play it. I want to play your favorite. A small smile lifted her face, and I dropped the dime into the jukebox. She turned to the window and stared outside where sirens and flashing red lights had gathered on the highway. And I knew her thoughts had taken her somewhere else. I could still smell the fresh scent of pine in my hands as I punched in her song. I hoped the first notes might bring her back to our world, or at least to somewhere happier than we'd been. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.